Welcome to the Art Grind Podcast. This is a podcast run by artists for artists where we talk about what it means to be one. I'm Tun Miai, the producer with our host Dina Brodsky and Marshall Jones. This is being recorded between our many jobs and side hustles. We bring you in-depth investigations into the lives of artists we admire and the stories behind the creative journey. So stay on the grind while we fill your mind. Hello guys, welcome again to the Art Grind Podcast. Uh, this is the first time we're talking for eight months, I would imagine. The first time we're in the same space as each other for in, in about eight months. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm here with Dina, I'm Marshall, and uh, here with Dina and Tun. Uh, so we're going to fill you guys in a little bit about what uh, we've been up to and what we will be doing moving forward. Um, so Dina, how has your uh, quarantine been? It sucked. I mean, <laughs> is anyone really going to answer that question? <laughs> like being a quarantine was great, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, it's been a real special, special blessing. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you have two kids, one apartment. In Boston, single parenting. It's been uh, it's been amazing. <laughs> I also so the last person I saw in New York was actually you, Marshall. That's right. Uh, when I when I crashed on your couch interviewing for some new gigs, which I got, and right before the world shut down, and then I found myself was basically a full time job, and also kids who were full time home all the time. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been great. Um, I. <laughs> so I, I I don't know. There's just, I, I honestly I think it broke me. I think it's going to be years That's... until I regain any sort of I, I don't know identity or just or learn how I to think have fun again. <laughs> the exact feeling I have. It's like I don't know. My classes moved to online, which was very difficult. I didn't see anyone for a long time. Uh, painting in the apartment, which was good. I was able to do that and. It's just sort of all the things you love about New York were all of a sudden gone, and it felt like, why am I in this tiny apartment? And you were left with all the things in New York that you didn't love and that yes. were there all along, but you could afford not to think about them because there was so much good about it. That's exactly so, right. So um, tell me... I fe- you, were saying, you were saying identity, and I feel like that's very true because you, you understand when you g- live in the world, you're constantly in places with people that reaffirm affirm some sense of identity i don't even know if reaffirms the right way you just it the world sort of tells you who you are within it and then once that left it's sort of like it was very mentally like a strange thing to do just in a way try to figure out what your values are without any feedback or whether anything you like is still possible or worth doing. That's so true. Or yeah. where all of the people that you liked and loved and worked with and met at openings, where, where, where they all went. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them went away from New York and never came back. Well, and then that's something yeah. really true, too. That the fact that I'm not a, a person who calls people on the phone. I don't text, really. But I see people out constantly. So it's like all of a sudden that social aspect was completely yeah. gone. There's a 
um, Buddhist concept of having, you know, different sorts of bodies, one of them being the community body. And that just got turned off during this time. The community body. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah totally. The, we lost the sense of the community so, body. So, Tan, how did you spend quarantine? Uh, I ended up in Florida. So I was in New York, uh, about to start a new job. I left New York around March 9th. And I've been in Florida since. Uh, I came back recently. Um, yeah, yeah, you, you had the good luck to um, take a vacation before your new job started. And then right. I guess you just stayed. I, I just stayed, yeah. And I was lucky enough to um, have landed a remote job. So I was able to enjoy the Sunshine State. I got to swim, went to the beach, ran, biked. Did all the things that people in New York couldn't do. <laughs> it actually, I got a tan. <laughs> the few the few phone calls we had, I was I was jealous of your your experience for sure. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, uh, I I I was very very lucky throughout the entire time. I think considering. Oh. <laughs> so the few phone calls that we had during quarantine, I couldn't hear anything you were saying because my kids were busy yelling at me. <laughs> so at some point I realized what my quarantine schedule was is I'd wake up at four in the morning and the kids would wake up at like six, six thirty. And I just had that two and a half hours to myself to paint. And then around six thirty they would wake up and life would be complete chaos for the next twelve hours until I put them to sleep like seven and then they started getting light earlier and earlier and kids just wake up at the crack of dawn mm -hmm. no matter what so at some point it went from 6 30 to 6 and then 5 45 and then 5 20 and by the by the end my toddler who's basically a jerk was waking up at like five and i was like i, I think my life is just over because i was relying on the that two two and a half hours for sanity for the rest of the day yeah. wow wow yeah, it's it. It was so. Like I, I mean, people say it all the time. Like Groundhog Day for me, just one thing, one day after the other, in a room that nothing felt different or terribly interesting. Beside the stress of um, taking classes online, which wasn't easy, but in a way, I, I think that made me a much better instructor because. I had to learn to formulate lectures and a lot of lectures a week that were less about moving someone through a class and more about like a broad, endless class almost where it's like people looking at you through a screen. We're not really working from the model much anymore. And it's just like, what is the essence of picture making? And I think that was incredibly valuable for me. Having, having people work in their apartments from things from life, incorporating things from photography, incorporating things from imagination, and just talking about compositionally what's a good picture. So, so in one sentence, Marshall, what is the essence of picture? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> in one sentence. Well, John would always say the, uh, the key to a good composition is you look at mine longer than the other person's. <laughs> You're talking about John Wellington? Yeah, that's Wellington's quote. So I think it's true. I mean, a lot of the, the well, I, I mean, God, we could talk about this. I really found, I started um, 
painting a lot abstractly and then like really working on perspective in order to just design pictures off shapes. And that was interesting to me because you could have a little more than uh, just painting the, the figure for all it's worth. It was like the idea of you could have a, a shape that you're not necessarily happy with and then not change that shape, but put another shape in a different location and activate it. And I really learned how to kind of like dialogue through a painting like that, which so, was fascinating to me. So Marshall, let's talk about your online teaching. Um, uh, how, how, how was that for you emotionally? Because you're, you're not even very good at technology. I guess. <laughs> so uh, you, you barely know how to use Gmail. What was it like having to basically be on, online all the time? soul sucking <laughs> pure panic I, you're absolutely right like i am i've been accused of being a luddite more than once in my life and i by me by <laughs> you by everyone in this yeah i basically eschew technology as much as i can and then this was like having to learn how to do this stuff and that was my first goal like if i could just sort of learn zoom and and be somewhat adequate on that and then reconnect with students that have We've all just gone through this really difficult uh, week or whatever at that point because online classes got on pretty quick. So it's like reconnect. And and some of the classes were quite long because they were functioning like they were in the classroom, you know, all day. And so then it was like, okay, I got to create a lot of really good content for these students, engaging content in a whole new format. And it was successful. I mean, like at the end of the semester, everyone was sort of like crying on their screens and talking about what a great, it was like a really wow. necessary, beautiful thing. But I think it, it aged me. Like, I feel like I've been through something that I, I was not ready for and just sort of like white knuckled it the whole way through. You know? Did you feel like you were playing teacher, psychiatrist, friend, father figure? And and how, and, and how much so, of it and how okay. much of it is really possible, uh, like how much of the emotional connection that you would have with a student, you know, going through a class, is possible? Because I was teaching workshops online, and that was a different ball game because you connect with people, but it's only for a few hours at a time. But this is like you're going through with these kids for a whole semester. Well, yeah, because it got cut off halfway through the semester. There was there there was a bit of. A relief just to see people on the screens you know luckily I, I don't think anyone I in any of my classes got sick that I'm aware of and so it was just like this you know almost like this portal and a huge sigh of relief to see people on there and checking in so that was a big a big aspect of it but I, I still think the biggest aspect was just the the art education which was to me, quite quite fascinating and rewarding because we did we went through so much more than we would have done in the figure room, which was, I mean, some of that was just the energy of a new thing and my panic to like scramble to fill this up. But I was I was surprised at how much I knew in a way that could just come out of me, like, and it, and it would sort of like tie together and be interesting, and it was like. Uh, I learned a lot, that's for sure. Did, did you realize that you remembered a lot more of your own education and a lot more art histories than you thought you did? Yeah, and I think the connections were so strong. It's like, 
it's like in that way I could just make sort of was able to make all these connections that I hadn't necessarily wasn't necessarily taught to me but but felt like I, I had internalized this stuff somehow and then all of a sudden it was an opportunity to get it all out for the student who informed who what is this moving off of what how can you use this in your own work let's do something really creative let's make a painting we wouldn't do before um all these like limitations I was putting on paintings during during the the zoom classes that were just like it all worked it was like really fascinating and so a lot of that's the students were great too like I think everyone was just excited to uh, be with other people, be, even, yeah, even, even, even if they're in their bedroom in front of a screen. Yeah. So what I realized, it's not as good as normal communication. You know, it's not as good as being in a room with someone, uh, but it's much better than being in a room by yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. And, and you do connect and you do, you know, each of those people on their various screens is a full person and their life and their experiences is just as valid and as interesting as yours. And you can kind of touch in cyber world a little bit, like you can touch someone's brain. Yeah, that's right. That there, there, there's a word for that called sonder. And that's the moment you realize that someone else's life is as infinitely complex and interesting as your own. And I felt like this this had that kind of feel to the whole thing. Like it was really, everyone was in this thing together and we're all just what's, like, what's the word again? How do you Sonder, S-O-N-D-E-R. What, what a beautiful word. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's like, and I feel like that was a huge part of this whole thing. Just like, cause I think it goes back to what we were saying a little before about getting stripped of the identity feedback you get from going to openings, being the teacher in the room, you know, having your own shows and stuff. And it was just like, you're just sitting there and then waiting for other people to, to communicate with, you know? And you also realize that for the first time in a very long time, you are just alone with your self, your thoughts, your emotion, your negative chatter, that really loud chatter in your brain just grows. Yeah. Uh, really, I'd, I'd l I would have loved to hear some loud chatter you in my no own choice. brain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You had, you had you audible had chatter. Yeah. Yeah, you, chatter. Yeah, you know the way that I formulated it at some point of quarantine is like, like, like most people, I'm both a bit introverted and a bit extroverted. And being quarantined with two kids, I couldn't really be either. Like I was never alone enough to be an introvert and to be alone with my own thoughts. But I was also never an extrovert because, you know, the kids, they're small and needy and a lot of their desires are not like the desires right. of <laughs> that would be possible to accommodate as an extrovert and so at the end of each day I'd just be completely drained out because you could neither recharge from being around other people nor could you recharge from being yourself I, I know that fatigue from when I did nanny work like there's something about being around small kids the that are so being exhausting. around small it takes up all your mental space for what tons talking about that chatter like yeah. i would feel almost a little pulverized at the end of a day doing nanny work where it's like i need to think about other things now it's so uh taxing let's talk about time and the way we experienced it because i feel like when you're doing the same thing over and over time does not exist anymore a week could feel like an hour and so on. 
Oh God, it's more like an hour. It could feel like a week. <laughs> or that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it feels like before, well, like you were mentioning, Dina, I remember that day that you stayed at my apartment right before lockdown. And that was a beautiful day. Like I can still draw it in my mind, like on the sidewalk and just sunny, nice March. Day. It was it was the last normal day, uh-huh. right? Like uh, like like remember we went out to a Chinese restaurant yep. and <laughs> had uh-huh. a bunch of dim sum with strangers, like yep. share shared dim sum with strangers. Yeah. So. Yep. Stranger stranger danger applies to all the adults now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, but I, I, that feels like five years ago to me it feels like easily five years you know ago. i actually yeah. have gray hair now like i had I no I, I had no gray Same. hair a few months yeah. ago and i have a whole bunch from the last yep. the last eight months <laughs> yeah same here i've got it like on my temples and it's like whoa yeah. I, i'm telling you like there was something and and we ha- and you do realize that we had it easier than so many people because we're all the three of us in this room we're lucky enough to still be employed i was lucky enough to be able to take i was doing a lot of teaching online anyway and i just took everything online both for mm-hmm. myself and institutions um like we're the lucky ones and yeah. we still have oh, gray absolutely. hair absolutely yeah absolutely I, th- I think no one escapes the psychological heaviness of isolation and sort of skepticism we now have around our fellow man in a new way I I think that's a universal but in terms of the finances it was I'm very grateful that I was able to take things online and stuff like that for sure yeah and we are not even addressing all the things that were happening in the world at that time i was doing okay until i started seeing all the footage of all the riots and the things that were happening in new york and then that was just overload i thought that was a tipping point for me where things just got bad for a little bit or for a while until i could get my head straight i had some sort of routine and then once that social media once you let it in it just pulverizes your I don't know. I got to watch the country I was born in basically spontaneously combust <laughs> over the last elections. Like, yep. like, like, but yeah, it, yeah, watching the protests in Belarus um, might have been my tipping point. Uh, yeah. Just because I was like, oh my God, we're so lucky to be here. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. It's times that will we'll be remembered. Absolutely. I feel but like. Not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I feel like more, more so than, than any other thing I've been through. I mean, you know, Nothing's, September 11th and these type things. It feels like this was a real nothing, rendering. Nothing has ever been this sustained, like mm. like sustainably bad. Mm. And like there's been moments of panic, you know, there's September 11th and the, you know, but if it didn't directly touch you, like no one you knew died, you could almost abstract it. And, you know, there's economic recession of 2008, like, like the ones that kind of shaped people our age. But I feel like nothing was ever as relentless as the last eight months. Yeah. And the messed up thing is, I feel like all of these things could have been avoided. The U.S. could have handled things a lot better. These protests could have been different if that wasn't I don't know every every with. no I mean everywhere had issues and honestly everything is blowing up everywhere no one is happy with the way their government handled it um but like, we are ranked pretty low 
the the Swedish, which is kind of a controversial subject. Like people use Sweden as an example of like it's a cautionary tale of the world because they didn't lock down. Um, but if you look at the actual stats, Sweden had less deaths than Massachusetts, the state that I live in, uh, and overall did kind of better than Massachusetts. And no one is saying Massachusetts is a cautionary tale of the world. And the Swedes are also very unhappy with the way their government handled it. It seems like any way anywhere handled it. The population was not impressed and is rioting. So it's like, yeah, I feel I feel like even currently sort of in a bit of a fog about the future and what what to the new normal, the new normal. Yeah, people say that a lot. Like, isn't that the worst term? I I hate it. Yeah, the new normal, I, I think, blows the new normal where we get used to social distancing and wearing masks and not seeing the lower part of each other's face and not being able to quite read their facial expression. So you actually need to see their mouth for that. Um, I have a difficult time hearing people. And I heard a study once that certain people uh, view, like they communicate with the eyes and certain people look at mouths. I'm definitely someone who looks at someone's mouth for almost like a lip reader, I guess, in some ways. And and uh, I have a hard time hearing people now just because I'm, I'm not used to communicating that way. So I was helping kind of throughout this take care of my 95-year-old grandma. And my 95-year-old grandma has a 95-year-old boyfriend. And, you know, we go see them and, you know, we wear the, the N95. Like, we wear the serious masks, like not, not, not this flimsy cloth stuff that we're, you know, wearing outside now. And um, my grandma's boyfriend is almost entirely deaf, even with the hearing aids in. And it was so hard because he lip reads a little bit and mm. i think that makes communication possible and without the ability to take the n95 off he just i think hasn't understood anything i've said to him for the last eight wow. months yeah that's and real I, isolation there and wow. sometimes he just gets really like frustrated with me where like he thinks i'm not speaking loud enough or clear enough or whatever and i was like i don't think i can't like I, there's nothing i can do right now that would make you understand me Um, Yeah, so where do you think all this is going? I don't know. I don't really have a reasonable prediction for uh, the the art world. Uh, Of course, a lot of galleries are shutting down. Of course, a lot of people in our our price range to sell to are tightening purse strings and a lot of people out of work. I, I have no projections. It's such a, a strange time i feel my instinct is that it's going to get fairly bleak continue to yeah i think it's going to get worse i think this summer is basically the closest to normal that we might have for a while but you know what so people are tightening purse strings and the people that have the money to buy art would rather probably spend it on getting a bunker in new hampshire that's fully stocked for like two years of canned food for the apocalypse Mm -hmm. but that being said one of the things that i was kind of amazed by is i worked on several like i curated several fundraiser shows one one of one of which i sucked ton into and he ended up doing a whole bunch of work for and that one was a fundraiser for to get ppe supplies for doctors kind of in the beginning of quarantine when that was still an issue like now all doctors have ppe supplies and um i was actually incredibly amazed in a good way by how many people were buying art you know Mm. for a good cause 
Mm, that um, both these fundraisers made a lot more money than I thought they would. And I don't think that money is coming from very rich people. I think it's just coming from people who are trying to help in a way. And yeah, that's great. The, um, and that, that's been kind of incredible. Those type of things are really positive to, to hear and to know that there's, I mean, because in some ways I feel like there's such a lack of leadership in the in the country. And then that people like you are organizing things with the resources you have and, and making a bit of a difference. You actually uh, saved, a, saved a little girl's life, essentially. Uh, I'm not sure if, if I saved a little girl's a girl's life, but I, I did I, I did put something in motion which made an awful lot of artists, well, draw birds and contribute to saving a little girl's life. I think an anonymous, very, very wealthy person saved the little girl's life, really. But that was kind of the last thing that I worked on. And I was also like just amazed by how generous people were and both people who were buying art and the artists that were kind of and Marshall's part of that show Marshall uh, I, I, I helped save her life <laughs> you have, Marshall painted these really amazing chickens uh, that if they don't if they don't sell through the show you know I'm putting a lot of pressure on him to trade for oh I'd be happy to yeah uh, I'd be happy to you know that. provided you find a bird bird painting of mine that you actually like the, I, that will not be hard at all to find um, that was the last big thing that happened in, in my life this kind of um, bird fundraiser that I helped put together and that actually miraculously worked where someone just kind of bridged the gap and funded this this little girl's $2.1 million medication. And so right now my my opinion of the world is a lot more rosy than than it was like two weeks ago where I'm like, Mm -hmm. but there's so many good people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many people that donated their time, their money, their their bird paintings. So that's gonna. Are you gonna come to the opening? Are you guys both gonna come to the opening? Well, I will. Yeah, I definitely will. September when? Seventeenth at Sugar Sugarlift Gallery's new Chelsea space. Um, I don't know what the social distance. I, I don't even know if we'll get to go in. I think the social distancing rules are they're letting in like ten people at a time or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure with lines out the door and those sorts of things um which i can't i can't imagine those lines at the door are like that much more socially distanced than than actually letting people into the gallery would be but sugarlift has been totally amazing throughout this whole thing mm-hmm. like from the moment i was like hey how about we have a show and donate all the money to a little girl in Novosibirsk that really that needs medication and they're like yeah let's 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 do it uh, um like 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 they didn't even think twice them. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wants to uh, come to New York and stand in a in a, in a line with <laughs> with us, uh, let's just bring whiskey and celebrate because it was a good thing that actually happened over you the last. You can now drink on the streets in New York. Really? Yeah. yeah. The the bars. I mean, the one near me on the Upper East Side opened soon. It was like still when the weather was fairly cold. Just you order it outside and just stand on the sidewalk with your your beer or whatever which is so for uh, everyone who has you know who's not in new york um marshall's been here throughout you know the whole eight, eight months since lockdown started what has it been like it's pretty pretty bleak i mean it's it's isolated it's not a good place to do that in um I got a park nearby that I'd walk to i would go days and days without leaving the apartment at all um Everyone was super suspicious of one another. That's not the same as it used to be. 
it's, it feels a lot more relaxed than it did, but, um, it's just not the, not the city you, you love. And then there's some weird things too, like moving vans on the sidewalk all the time, just like so many people moving. And it's like, I don't know where they're going, but suburbs near Boston or upstate or, uh, you know, the, where prices aren't dropping because of New York flight, actually. I mean, no one has ever moved to New York for the quality of life. Like no one has ever been, you know what, like, let me uh, move to New York for the fresh air and the nature and, the, the, you know, the, the lots of space. Um, but they, they move for whatever you're into is it the theater then you move to the theater that ended the art you move for the art the whatever but even you know the restaurant scene the, the party scene the clubbing the, the yeah, yeah. The, the bars the kind of unlimited opportunities that new york has has to offer because a billion mm-hmm. uh, the town of a billion tiny rooms that you want to be in all of a sudden, <laughs> that you want to saunder through. You think right? you want to saunder through? It's great. Yeah, and and then it was all of a sudden that just ended, and I was like, like I say, I think it 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 fundamentally changed me. Like, I definitely feel there's a different person went into this, and a different person is is currently here. I I some of that stuff I feel like is good. I feel like there's some some more maturity and stuff like that that came with it and resilience but boy hard hard learned lessons i would say so talk to me about this new person that's sitting here uh, i knew the marshal that went in i saw the marshal that went into quarantine you know basically like a few days before quarantine began mm-hmm. uh, what's what's it like now what are you like now i don't know um it's a, that's a, it's hard to put into words. Um, certainly less, and not just because it had to be. I think I'm less social almost by choice now. It's like I I, I miss it, but there's a part. But you're of me not that doing anything to it. fix it either. Right? You're not do, like we could be more social now, but we're not. Like other than yeah. maybe seeing each other for the first time in eight months. Yeah, and I almost don't want it I do feel like I'm angrier than I used to be which is fascinating I feel like I I get more upset about stuff that that used to just sort of roll right off my back I don't know there's something about distractions like if I was upset about something which I'm not really an angry person but if I was upset about something you go do some activity and forget all about it and now it's just like it I feel more agitated a little more yeah I think it's uh I've, I've recognized the same thing in myself too. And I think it's a uh, emotional bandwidth. You usually have, you know, you, you have a limited amount before something like ticks you off. And I'm usually a pretty patient person. And when you do get heated, you, you know, you go to the gym, you work out, you, you work off the excess energy. Mm-hmm. But now you can't do that. It's or, just yeah, sitting or there you go out and talk to you. A, yeah, you go out and talk to a bunch of strangers, right? Right. You you let that energy go, and you, you can't do that anymore. So it just sits there inside you, and any little thing could just put you over the edge. Yeah, I think there's something beautiful about the way that the world, it, the social world, checks you, and like, will you you can say something outlandish in in a bar and chances are you'll 
you'll have a discussion with someone about that or possibly a fight or you'll come to some agreement with someone like that's a really beautiful exercise of the like of human nature is to sort of sharpen yourself by conversations in real time reckoning with yourself in real time and i feel like that doesn't happen and i feel like in a way social media heightens that like you can say mm. anything you want but there's no real reckoning with it the way that you would have to physically reckon with your opinions at a bar or or see the other side because your human empathy is activated by the person next to you it's all just like text online and people having conversations in their head and I feel like it's so destructive. It's destructive for me to be around it. You know, I had this incident, like, probably around April that made me realize how, how far past the point of burnout, like what Tan was talking about, where, um, you know, take the, the kids. So I moved to Brookline, which is kind of a suburb of Boston, and um, there's this little park right next to where I live, and I take the kids there, and I take them there early in the morning and when there was no one there. At some point, I was there with, with my toddler, and he was playing in a puddle, uh, kind of n not even on the path, and he didn't have a mask on because he's a toddler, and I didn't have a mask on because, you know, I had a mask kind of around my chin, uh, the not, not on my face, and I hear this woman basically yelling at us from across the park, and at first I didn't even realize it was us. You know, it's six in the morning, right? The, like, you're not really prepared to face conflict or face anything. The, mm -hmm. And at first I saw she was maybe talking about the kid or but I realized she was actually yelling at us for not you know for not having masks on and for not I guess for not getting out of her way and she's maybe 80 feet away like if, if she you know like like if she if she came closer um I I would have put put the mask on and you know got the kid out of my way mm -hmm. and um instead of like doing what I would normally do I'm also not a very angry person and I think in a normal state you know she was older and she was probably also in the park at six in the morning because you know there was no one there and she was scared and anxious and in her apartment all the time for over a month by that point mm -hmm. and instead of like feeling some empathy moving out of the way putting my mask on whatever I just got so angry I was like look you're not even here like like mm -hmm. it just you know like 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 and I you know I was like go go social distance yourself you know away from me <laughs> like and we're, we weren't even in, in in her way I was like you, you know just walk around us uh walk around walk in the opposite direction don't yell at me and don't yell at my you know 18 months old kid I don't want him growing up like that right. um and right. then I kind of realized how just stretched thin I was too because that impulse to just kind of yell back yeah which I, I and, and I thought I was so almost ashamed of myself like an hour later for mm -hmm. having reacted that way and then as like I get it she's scared and quarantined and restless and angry and so am I actually in normal life six months before that she would have probably been like oh what an adorable child and I would have said right. good morning and now we're just these two difference. strangers that kind of hate each other at six in the morning in a, in a yeah, park <laughs> what a, a, a huge difference that I think everyone's feeling I mean in some ways I feel like I've I think in terms of say a mask it's like I want to live in a world where there's some some inkling I don't even care if it's that scientific that a mask might help and so it's like let's wear a mask maybe they help I like that world and I also like it if if you forget it not to assume that that person's evil or you know it's just like 
it's like that is the thing that I used to before this trust my fellow man that there was some hey if we can help people let's do it if you forgot about it if you left it in your car or whatever I'm not gonna think you're evil will whatever and it's just that and that is gone like people are so quick to judge right it's right gone. right now and I, and do, do you rem- do you remember a few months ago the kind of you know the social media shaming of people who were not socially distanced enough yeah. where, where, where people would complain about that like i saw this person and they were right next to this other person blocking the sideway the sidewalk and and i'd read the stuff and i was like you got feet you know <laughs> like like move <laughs> like if you've got a problem with that the, but then i think everyone is just so on edge and looking for someone to blame and yeah it's like it's like i mean i'm very careful i wear a mask i distance i don't need to read science if it if it works or not i feel like yeah probably does good enough or it doesn't but yeah or it or it doesn't but it's not that big of a hassle and you do it to make other people feel okay and feel comfortable and just sort of like have patience and tolerance to try to help people out in this and i saw that totally dry up i just saw just an aggressiveness on all from all fronts that that really makes me i mean i wasn't the biggest fan of of humans to begin with (laughs) and it just it's another wedge in that it's like god i wish i wasn't one of these things you know i have a pretty funny story that i i think i told you about that happened recently on the train so this guy just walks in has no mask he has a towel on his head because i guess it was hot and then he decides to sit down next to this girl and then she freaks out she's like sir where is your mask (laughs) and there's like this other guy you know further down on the train screaming like sir excuse me and i think the guy said something like i don't know what he said he was just mumbling and i just overheard something about so he said something back to her and then she actually had an extra mask in her purse and then she gives it to him and they start chatting turns out it was his birthday and then she got really excited and said it was her birthday two weeks ago <laughs> and then they became buddies and then he actually invited her to his birthday that was happening that night and she was considering it and she said she couldn't because uh, she was going out of town that's in a of, matter of seconds it's like it could have gone from <laughs> like, like it could it's have like escalated, a romantic right? comedy it's like one of those exactly they're, like, yeah. yeah they're married now they're, yeah, yeah. they're totally their heads are having like are we invited to their wedding <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i don't know what to make of that but you know that could have gone a different way you know, what you, you know yeah. what you make of that like the people are maybe better than we think they are the um yeah. unlike marshall i've always liked people and i've always i love talking to strangers i i miss it so much mm-hmm. and that's maybe most of like like one of the things that i miss and um i miss taking airplanes i miss sitting down and talking to a stranger on the subway that you'll never see again and not being afraid that you're going to infect them and they're going to infect you. And just, I miss how open things were. And I like, like that last time we saw each other, I was, I mean, I, I, I'm really happy. I didn't, didn't pick up COVID because I would have been a super spreader. I was on a different couch every night. I was, um, you know, on a bike, just going from institution to institution, institution teaching workshops. And then we hit the art fairs and, you know, we're really, really social there. Um, I was just working all day with people and kind of partying 
every evening. Yeah. Um, but I remember like biking away from your place and I think I had a gig in LIC and I was just on that bike going over the Queensboro Bridge and feeling like New York is this giant playground like full of an adult version of like, you know, playground equipment, like it's the most interesting people and the most interesting places and the most interesting things to look at. And I, I felt like I was just, just old enough to enjoy it. Like, like I felt like I just got my bearings around New York mm -hmm. and then it was, you know, a week later it was just down. Uh. Wow. Uh. You know, in terms of art, I think I, I, I've had some conversations with people like this and I think you know, we're all artists, we're all painters. And I think there is something to that. Like you could take a lot away from me, like COVID can or anything can, but it's like, you'll always be a painter. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's, it, it was like, I think some of what unfortunately our identity gets wrapped up in is what shows you're in what what schools are you teaching at how many people know you what's all this sort of thing and all that goes away and you're still a painter and you realize that that validation is not terribly important to your process or anything it's just sort of like you're just there you're, you're gonna do it no matter what so yeah you know, it took it away from me and just because I had the two tiny kids at home all the time and I needed to do a bunch of stuff to make money and other two hours at four in the morning, like I stopped being a painter and I hope I can get it back. I sketch, I still make stuff. None of it is very serious. I don't feel like a painter for probably the first time in my life. Like mm. I started, I started, you know, trying to be a painter I wasn't very good but um it was exactly 20 years ago I was 18 it was my freshman year at university and I remember those first all-nighters you do mm. trying to make something trying to make something work and from there on I never really took a prolonged like I always I always felt like a painter no matter what else was happening and how good or bad it was and I'm, I'm not sure I'm feeling like a painter right now mm. like like it can take it away from you yeah <laughs> I haven't touched a paintbrush since like late October 2018 or even before that actually um, I, I would still call myself a creative but not a painter like and what what does what does that mean can you be can you still be a painter if you haven't painted for five years or ten years like that what, what does that identity entail like do you have to be constantly painting every day can you, what if you're a weekend oh. painter? Well, that's what I was saying. I think that was my point. Like, there there are people who, like, look, my, my life became much more consumed with teaching during this because teaching in, in figure drawing rooms doesn't take near the prep it does. So I was painting less. I was painting a lot, but painting less. And I think whatever... It's like, I think that the caps that you guys are putting on it, like you didn't really paint for two months or telling you for, a, you know, however long that was. It's, that's what I'm saying. That's the thing that this can't take away from you, even if you're not doing it, even if you're not getting the feedback, you have all this, this stuff inside you that's already earned. You but know? not, mm -hmm. not getting the feedback is okay. Like actually not 
doing it, like I feel like I've never been this lost as a person. And there's a lot in life that I'm incredibly grateful for. There's so many good things still happening and everyone is healthy and every everyone is alive, alive and, and I get it. Um, but as far as just whatever, my identity was wrapped up and it wasn't wrapped up in the feedback. It was wrapped up in just making something every day mm. and, or trying to make something every mm. day. It wasn't actually wrapped up in how good that something was, uh, but it was wrapped up in just doing something day in, day out. And this is the longest I've spent without doing so, that something day in, day out that I ever have. You know, I had that last kid. I was basically drawing a week later. The, well, the, to be more specific, you are doing something every day. It's just you're not creating something that you enjoy with your hands on a piece of paper which or is canvas. What, which is what being a painter was for me. Right. It was just, it was making stuff. Right. Uh, and, you know, I still, I, I sort of thought that the sketchbooks, whatever I've been, you know, like, like I have all this stuff and I thought it would be enough to kind of help me just feel feel like I'm a painter, an artist, whatever, whatever it is, but it's actually not. Hmm. Like it's enough to keep saying. Uh, and it was worth it to do those 4 a.m. wake-ups and feel like I still had that. But it's not, it's not actually enough to feel like a painter. I, I, I don't know what it, like, like, I don't know what I needed or what, it, what well, I need. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I can have it back. Mm, <laughs> When's really the last time you felt like you had the headspace to paint? For me, it would be, you know, maybe a couple hours of quiet time by myself in front of an easel or wherever I'm at where maybe I'm I'm not that worried about everything that is going on or having a checklist in my head that that quietness I don't think I've had that for like a long time now I don't mm. know about you guys I don't think I've had the quietness to paint well as as well as I can Mm-hmm. There's full my head's full of constant static. It's a lot of up and down, but it's like I don't know. I mean, I I feel like I've shifted to a, almost like a, a bit of a student again. Like I'm looking, I'm trying to learn so much to use this time, and I think in some ways, Tom, that's what's calming that static in my head. It's like mm. I just paint prep for classes, listen to audio books. And I'm trying to stay a little out of the, like the Twitter cycle, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that has been quite rewarding to me because I, again, like what you were saying, how do you feel different? I feel a lot smarter than when I came into this. Cause I have just like learned just out of probably uh, more than anything, just anxiety has manifested in me just trying to, to learn. Would you agree that we are coming out of this a little bit stronger, but definitely more damaged? I don't even know if stronger, I'd say damaged. I think very damaged. I don't know if I'm stronger. I feel or at least... more afraid, honestly. I feel more v- uh, vulnerable. I'm more hmm. efficient. 
Like, like you know, so you know. Except who, this morning. Yeah, uh, ex- except for ex- except for this morning when I could barely, you know, like like I basically even make, cook make, eggs. make yeah, you couldn't cook <laughs> eggs. I couldn't I couldn't like make coffee for you guys yeah. efficiently. But um, one thing I have to say about like the one blessing of being locked locked in with two kids is uh, it didn't give me any time to really like like okay about a week into lockdown I was like where did I go wrong in life to end up here like whereas like like the whole single parenting was never the plan and you know locked in with my toddler and my four-year-old while also trying to work but the one thing I have to say about it is it didn't give me enough room for anxiety it wore me out like the burnout line was maybe mid-may and by June when when their dad showed up for the first time and you know took them I thought I'd be I'm gonna be you know I'll finish all these projects I'll I'll be a painter I'll work and I just like slept a lot and rode a bicycle and maybe like read a book that I've read before not even a new book that like I couldn't do anything like like I was so past the point of burnout but it did keep me yeah like between the kids and the work I think I didn't have the same existential angst that everyone everyone else did yeah I think you were lucky to have that distraction I think Ton and I were just in a room by ourselves and then and and I think I think my anxiety in those moments is a manifests itself in a productive way it's like I can't sit and think like that's torture to me so it's just like I think I can find relief in painting or like in generally in painting maybe that's a reason I paint honestly it's just like it's just something to keep my mind busy because I can sort of it will go on two tracks and I'll just be like well I'll think about this thing I'm painting right now just relief from being inside your own head just relief yeah so then it turns into a bit of a compulsion and I think we've talked about this on the show quite a bit like how how it takes a lot of things from you that compulsion you know you know, one of the few good things that um, happened to happen during the last eight months is that I listened to the last Leonard Cohen album, the one that, that got released after his death. Mm. And um, I, I was just talking to Marshall about this earlier. There's a line in one of the songs that basically I think sums up my entire existence. It's a line that I want my tombstone. And, you know, it says that I was always working steady, but I never called it art. And I feel like that's kind of the nature of this podcast Mm. too like that's just all that's what we're talking about like we're working steady and you just keep doing it kind of no matter what and that's it that's so so interesting because leonard cohen's like he's he's often not called a singer songwriter he's like a poet like he's as arty as a singer gets and it's so great that he just work steady and never call it art like that's so you know he's so lucid and like that album i mean he must have been recording it like he definitely knew he was going to die Mm -hmm. he knew who he was going to die really really soon Mm -hmm. and it's simultaneously poetic while being totally clear like Mm -hmm. the and he's okay with it like that and he also made um kind of one of my other favorite things about it other than that line is some of his best songs are on there and he was in his 80s and dying and i want to be that like uh, so that brings us to our favorite topic what how death? is our relationship with death <laughs> how would you like to leave like what sort of mark would you like to leave 
I don't care. I, I don't care about any marks or anything like that. Like I, I think I, I would be a lot happier without any, uh, without having, you know, there's, there's like the guy who sort of built the castle out of toothpicks in the storage unit. When he dies, people discovered it. And I, I always think about how cool that just working without anybody knowing would be ideal for me. Mm. Could I do that? Yeah. So, um, you know, all, all to quote game of Thrones, right? All, all men must die. It, and it almost doesn't matter how it happens, like hopefully not too and not too painful and prolonged of a way that um, like it doesn't I don't believe there's a life after death. Like I believe that this is this is all there is. It doesn't matter what happens when we die. It's how we live. Right. And it's like, how, like, what are we going to do with with the rest of this? I completely agree. Yeah. I don't know if there is, but I'm always Aren't you afraid. Are you supposed no, to? No, I, I agree with focusing on like living a good life now and not worrying about the after part that's what i meant i'm always afraid that there is because whatever <laughs> creep made this world his afterlife's gonna be rough too <laughs> it's like so you thought this was rough yeah. this, this is just an appetizer Guess what? i don't know i'm guys. even creepier over here i mean so even even with all this like lockdown and the horrible new normal I still think this world is so good. Like, I think this is as good as it gets. Like, or maybe six months ago. That's what I'm scared of, Dana. You're, you're scared that this is as good I'm as it gets. I'm afraid this is mm. as good as it gets. Um, we're just, we do something reasonably meaningful and nothing hurts. I don't know. It's a sauntering. Uh, now that I know that word, I'm going to use it all the time. Like I'd wake up at four in the morning and I'd go have coffee on, on the rooftop with a child monitor on. <laughs> and I'd look at all the other apartments and just do that. And like every person here has a life that is as meaningful and interesting as, as my own. And there's something so fantastic about that. Mm -hmm. And just, just even being able to imagine mm -hmm. it. Uh, yeah. Um, like, I think this life is so good. I just, you know, like, like I, I just wish we weren't wearing masks and sitting six feet away from each other all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think to remember that you're not alone, I think it's a big deal. But it's very easy to forget that. Did you guys read uh, Station Eleven during quarantine? No. Was, wasn't that I think you told me to read it. I'd start it, but I... Did it dropped hit, off did it hit too close to home at, at that moment because no, I, I was telling everyone to i read actually it that. just didn't have the bandwidth to be reading a book i i think i to relax i just ended up watching tv or something marshall you never read it i've never read it now oh, man, you listen to a lot of audiobooks so it's kind of the way it starts is actually exactly the way that the beginning of quarantine started. It's about a much more efficient virus than COVID-19. Hmm. It's called the Georgia flu. It's coming out of Georgia, Russia. And all these patient zeros basically get on planes and, you know, it kills like 99% of the, the population. But most of the book isn't about that. Like that happens within chapter one, right? Uh, the rest of it is about the Shakespearean company slash classical music orchestra that's wandering through the post-apocalyptic America uh, 20 years after the Georgia flu wiped everything out mm. and there's, it's, it's a really beautiful book most mm. of the people I was recommending it to in the beginning of quarantine dropped it because the beginning was so close it's to what close. was mm. it, it was too close 
but it kind of waxes nostalgic about all the things that we used to take for granted, mm -hmm. like electricity and the internet and being able to get on a plane and just go to a different side of the country, just, just, just like that. Mm -hmm. Now that we know that we're probably not all going to die, hmm. I would highly recommend reading it to both of you. And, you know, if anyone's I'll still listening, if anyone's still listening to our grind, <laughs> you know, after yeah. all this time, please read Station Eleven. Well, that, that reminds me, we should do a little wrap this up with a little housekeeping because we noticed i mean our grind has been on a huge hiatus and because we, you because you guys couldn't get zoom recordings together yeah, exactly. which oh which 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 i felt like like you should have been doing to begin with well, we, we we made a decision against that too early on that was just like look so many bad podcasts are going to come out right now and i just didn't want to be a part of that but, so, this, but this one's already good yeah, <laughs> at least yeah, we but, think it is <laughs> well that's what i'm saying it's it's interesting because so many people are still listening we just checked numbers like we haven't put anything out forever and it's like my god i had no idea that that anyone was, still cares <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's not why we're starting this up again. We checked because we're like, well, we're going to record some. Let's see what it's been like. I haven't looked in forever. Um, but so there's a lot of you out there and we have a few things that are going on. Uh, we should give that phone number time to, to type into your experiences through whatever art making. Currently, we have a a phone line that you can call in. So if you want to call us, you can reach us at 929-267-4830. So now you've found your pen. <laughs> you don't have paper, that's fine. You could just write it on your palm. 929-267-4830. Uh, and what we will do is, um, if you leave us a message, we will have it on the podcast. We will actually play it for uh include that in our um, next episode unless yeah. it's really negative unless it's someone complaining about the way talk or the way marshall goes on tangents uh, in way, that case the we way won't. matthew goes on tangents. i'm not sure who that is but <laughs> oh, oh, you, like oh, oh you totally missed the, <laughs> you totally missed the season where matthew was hosting <laughs> <laughs> well people don't care for him <laughs> marshall is good <laughs> Uh, uh, Dina still has a speech impediment and ums and says like a lot. No, feel free to feel free to shit talk it too. I think that would be fun to post. Yeah, I would I would love to hear some funny uh, negative feedback. That'll be uh, entertaining. Positive yeah. feedback, whatever you want to do. Guys, just sound no, whatever you want. No, no negative feedback. I think I'll just break down and cry. I, I don't think I can handle. <laughs> no, I think you'll just get really angry <laughs> and like post something on social media and like try to find that person and attack them. Um, <laughs> Comments. Um, no negative feedback unless you want me to show up in front of your house with, you know, like a, like a can of mace. Yeah. I will. You could say good things or bad things, and I promise you the way my brain works, I'll forget in two seconds either way. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are very hey, responsive. Thank you for listening and coming along with us on this long journey. I hope you got some good takeaways from this interview. You can find us at artgrindpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. And if you feel like supporting us financially, you can easily hit that donate button on our website. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review on iTunes. That will really help us. 
We love all the support we get from our listeners and hope to do our best to bring you more great interviews for you. So be safe out there and stay on the grind.